Welcome to the Holistic Psychiatry Podcast. I'm Courtney Snyder, a physician and holistic adult and child psychiatrist. In this episode, I'll talk about the stress of saying yes, 10 thoughts on how saying no can serve the higher good. Number one, how do we follow our hearts, use our abilities, and give something of value to the world while keeping everyone happy? We don't. How do we heal or stay physically and mentally healthy while keeping everyone happy? We don't. As Warren Buffett said, quote, you've got to keep control of your time, and you can't unless you say no. You can't let people set your agenda in life. Number two, we're allotted only so much time, energy, and attention in this life. When we say yes to requests but want to say no, we're saying no to all the other things we might have spent our resources on. Number three, when we go against ourselves, our bodies know we experience some degree of physiologic stress, higher stress hormones, inflammation, less ability to detoxify, digest, and be present with ourselves and people in our life. Just knowing there could be a line of people around the corner with their lists of favors to ask is stressful if we're unable to effectively say no. Number four, aside from chronic stress, reactive people-pleasing fragments our mind. When asked over dinner about the most important factor in their success, Warren Buffett and Steve Jobs both responded focus from Steve Jobs. Quote, people think focus means saying yes to the thing you've got to focus on, but that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the hundred other good ideas that there are. Number five, if we say yes when we'd rather decline, we're more likely to become resentful and not bring our best to whatever we've agreed. The risk of conflict in the relationship rises. But what about the person who can't take no for an answer? Well, we can give them that opportunity to learn. When we take care of ourselves, we are taking care of our relationships, even if the other person doesn't see it that way, at least initially. An effective and a respectful no can be novel in a system that hasn't encouraged separateness. We can do that. We can say no nicely and not ruin a relationship. Usually we can. It is, of course, possible that a respectful decline is met with anger and or attempts to shame us. Perhaps that is why we overcommit. This recognition alone brings to light significant problems we can no longer deny in a relationship or with the person with whom we are in a relationship. Number six, when we do say no, we're saying yes to our higher purpose, or rather, a higher good. Quote, for those who might be thinking that I've gone all Ayn Rand and am suggesting that our choices only make sense if they maximize our self-interest, I should point out one of the main reasons we should protect our time, passions, and ability is so we can harness them in a way that's not just good for us, but for the world, unquote. That was me in 2012 trying to convince myself as I still had a ways to go on this particular topic. Over the years I've been asked to speak, though I always believe those activities would serve what I see as my calling to share information about the root causes of brain symptoms and the importance of balancing 
left and right brain approaches to healing, I'm not sure those opportunities have. Most often, those activities did more to support someone else's mission while distracting me from my own. Similarly, I've been asked if I would discount my rates. Many years ago, I did provide a sliding scale. It was cumbersome, and eventually I stopped, but I still felt stressed when asked. All the while, I was giving half my time to teaching without compensation. Eventually, I got to a place of comfortably and kindly saying no. With no, I also share where I do give my time and expertise, teaching and sharing online, and explain that keeping my rates steady allows me to give in the ways that I do. Number seven, some of us have a harder time saying no. On one hand, this is natural. We are wired for connection. I do think for those of us who are women, we have been more conditioned to be agreeable. Separately, some of us never learn to say no. Perhaps we grew up with adults that didn't know how, or maybe our no, if ever voiced, resulted in negative consequences. By necessity, we became masters of people-pleasing. I also think part of our sensitivity to others can be impacted by the temperament with which we came into the world. Some of us are simply more sensitive to everything, including emotions and subtle messages of others. In a future newsletter, I may talk about how pyrroles, mass cell activation, being wired for danger, according to RCCX theory, or a slow COMT and or MAOA may contribute to this high sensitivity. But even with our histories and our biochemistry, we can still rewire our brain to feel safe and secure as we take care of our needs and goals in a respectful way. This can take time, self-compassion, but also knowing how. Number eight, I don't have a lot of rules, but one is that I always give myself time to think about a request, even if it happens to be something I'm fairly sure I want to do. In the moment of being asked, it's easy to forget about the other realities of my life. If something is a good fit, it will be a good fit the next day or the next week. Taking time reflects a respect for myself, the other person, and the request. If I'm told I need to respond right away, that's easy. I'll decline on the spot. To know when to say no and when to say yes requires the ability to listen inwardly. This might involve a walk in nature, writing in a journal, or talking with someone who listens well. I do think listening to our body is key. As we think about doing whatever is being requested, we can notice how we feel in our bodies. We can actually ask ourselves, how does that feel? Usually we know, but it's the fear of saying no that starts the questioning of our inner knowing. When we acknowledge fear as a normal response, it begins to lose its power. As I've become more discerning about what I commit to, I find the question, is it a hell yes, to be helpful to me? This screening question comes from Derek Sivers, author and entrepreneur, who said, it's either a hell yeah or a no. Once we know which it is, we can put our attention to how we will actually say no. Number nine, one example of no that sticks with me is from Greg McCowan's book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. He writes, 
Peter Drucker, in my view, the father of modern management thinking, was also a master of the art of a graceful no. When Mahali Csikszent Mihalyi, the Hungarian professor most well-known for his work on flow, reached out to interview a series of creative individuals for a book he was writing on creativity, Drucker's response was interesting enough to Mahali that he quoted in verbatim, I am greatly honored and flattered by your kind letter of February 14th, for I have admired you and your work for many years, and I have learned much from it. But my dear professor, I am afraid to have to disappoint you. I could not possibly answer your questions. I am told I am creative. I don't know what that means. I just keep on plotting. I hope that you will not think me presumptuous or rude if I say that one of the secrets of productivity in which I believe, whereas I do not believe in creativity, is to have a very big waste paper basket to take care of all invitations such as yours. Productivity, in my experience, consists of not doing anything that helps the work of other people, but to spend all of one's time on the work that good Lord has fitted one to do, and to do well. End quote. My personal preference is to spend fewer words and not invoke waste paper baskets, but as I mentioned in a recent newsletter, even how we say no is an art. There's not one way. I do try to first thank the person for the opportunity, which I mean, it is nice to be invited to do things. Second, I let the person know I'm focused on other things right now. I may or may not share what those other things are, depending on the situation. Third, I communicate, or try to, with clarity and brevity. I think this honors my time and the time of the other person. Not being clear or over-explaining can suggest there's room to change my mind, and that I'm feeling that I should be saying yes. Having historically been an excessive apologizer, I do try to avoid this when declining a request. That doesn't mean I don't have empathy for the person not getting their request met. It just means I don't need to make it about me. When I used to over-apologize, I made many things about me. Number 10, none of the reasons for saying no nor knowing what to say, negate that it is still difficult and can even be scary at times. For this, I'll leave you with the words of John O'Donohue. May I have the courage today to live a life I would love, to postpone my dream no longer, but to live at last what I came here for and waste my heart on fear no more. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get the text and audio for these weekly newsletters directly to your mailbox, consider subscribing at CourtneySnyderMD.com or on Substack. Until next time, take care.